What's up, Strive to Movers? Dr. Justin here for another special episode of the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast. We have a Grand Rounds number two today. We got such great feedback from our first Grand Rounds that Dr. Ashton and I decided to record another one. Now, don't be confused. We do this every single week. We don't record it every single week. Obviously, we hide patients' names for HIPAA reasons, but here you'll get a little bit of an inside look into the time and effort we take each and every week to go over every patient that comes through our doors. It's good to get treated by one doctor, but we think it's better to have two opinions on your case. This allows us to go through each case, go through the rehab protocol, go through the hands-on treatment, and potentially see blind spots that one of us might not be catching. Again, we believe a group approach gives you the best shot to get back to doing what you love, and we wanted to give you a chance to hear a little bit behind the scenes of what we do each and every day at Strive to Move. Again, if you like this, please leave us a five-star review or just tell us you really enjoy it. All right. We hope you enjoyed this specific podcast. And again, we thank you so much for your support and look, and I hope you look forward to more of these in 2020. This is the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast aimed at helping you live an active and healthy life in and around Somerset and Union County, New Jersey. This podcast is brought to you by Strive to Move, located in Warren and Berkeley Heights. Strive to Move helped active adults in New Jersey get back to doing what they love pain-free. All right, we're recording, so obviously, and we're filming too, Mm -hmm. so the recording audience can't see my festive sweater. (laughs) Figured I would put it on. It is pretty nice. At the time of this recording, it is still before Christmas and Hanukkah, because Hanukkah starts, I think, this weekend, but... This is my official sweater that I made myself. It's very festive. Thank you. Did Good you really make you that? Like it? No? What you like that? my sweater? I do like your sweater. Did it's you really fe- make it? Yeah, I made it. That's I made it myself. For the record, you did not make that. Yeah. <laughs> Hannah doesn't count. She can't hear what she's saying. All right. So Last time we did a grand rounds with our patients, um, it actually got really good feedback. So we are going to do that again. And so Dr. Ashton is going to talk through some of the cases and I will um, ask questions as as they come up. So we will get started. And if nothing else, you'll be able to get a little bit more information and kind of behind the scenes as to how we operate here at Strive to Move and uh, how we think through some of the cases that we are working with. Obviously, for patient HIPAA compliance, I guess that's how to say it. We will not be saying the patient names. All right. It's a good call. Go ahead. Okay, so going through the list of patients, let's start with patient A. Patient A came to us in acute low back pain, meaning he was in very severe pain. We call it a flexion intolerant. And for those of you that might not know what that means, it means he just has an inability to touch his toes. So what happens with him is he came in with acute low back pain and right buttock pain. So far, we've seen him for a total of six visits. Now, his biggest goal was he's going to Taiwan December Christmas Eve. So he really just wanted to be able to sit on the plane comfortably. So what we ran him through, our, comes into the clinic, we run him through our range of motion. We determine um, it's a flexion intolerant low back. So we start to put him through, for those of you who know, it's called McKenzie progression exercises. So it's a way that he can start to learn how to treat himself. Okay. And so as far as 
after, through the six visits, what has his progress been? Symptoms have gotten better for him through the six um, visits. We After visits one and two, we had to progress him through the McKenzie progression, going from just press-ups, which is like that cobra pose, to just putting his hips off-center, meaning just shifting his hips a little bit. Okay. After we did that, he got a little bit better results. Um, last visit, we started to slowly introduce um, very, very basic hip stability exercises such as glute bridges and clamshells to, so he can start doing those on his trip. So we're going to see him on Monday before he leaves and tell me what your thoughts are on, on where you want to go and what you're expecting to do. Um, before he leaves Monday, I really just want to go over the exercises that we've been doing with him so he has a clear understanding of how he should keep doing them and progress them. Essentially, he has been doing them on his own, but I want to make sure that he really understands why he's doing these exercises so when he's on his trip and if his back um, flares up, he knows what to do. Um, have we talked about or do you think we need to review like sitting posture, lumbar roll, support like that, or he, we, he has that? We've reviewed sitting posture for long periods. We reviewed how he gets him up from the bed in the morning instead of flinging himself up, like rolling to his side. So things that he can essentially not hurt himself, like that's step one. What um, about um, specifically for the plane? For the plane, we did talk about that last visit. I think rehashing that with him again, it was like getting up every hour, every two hours. I know it's going to be hard on an international flight, but really do the best that he can just to get up and like walk in the terminal or the plane, whatever you call it. So do you think anything new should be added on, on Monday before he goes or basically a review? No, I think it should be a review of um, the glute bridges, the band walks and clamshells. He has a band. We gave him a band and then his um, McKenzie exercises, a nice review of that. And so for the plane specifically, standing McKenzie? Yep, we showed him two different ways since so he can do them at work. I showed him a standing variation of it that he can do. He seems to like the standing variation better. So which will be I good for him, the plane. Which would be very good for the most plane. Most likely for him. Uh, that's what he will be able to yeah. do on the plane. And I know he's concerned about sitting for long periods. So he's started to integrate that at work like every hour, every forty five minutes, just get up and move. So he's already started practicing that, which is good. Cool. All right. Okay, so patient two. Patient two just started we just saw her for the first time um, two weeks ago for her initial visit. She's about 25-year-old. 25-year-old female, low back pain. Teacher. She, teacher. Mm -hmm. And she came back um, last week for her follow-up, and now she's starting her plan of care next week. Her biggest goal was really just learning how to prevent the issue from going forward, and she really wants to learn how she can work out without hurting herself. So when she came in... Um, she wasn't in a ton of pain. Yeah, she was more scared. She was yes. young never really had a back problem before so she really didn't know what was going to happen and yeah. didn't want know if it was going to be a reoccurring issue was her biggest fear right. and she's pretty tall and she works with little kids and so they're you're constantly constantly bending down to pick right. them up she has nieces and nephews um she really does she's really scared about the gym because she said she would like to work out but she really doesn't know how to and so uh, where did you start with her on her first evaluation slash treatment session? First evaluation, um, we did SFMA top tier range of motion. We used her, her squat and toe touch as our audit mm -hmm. to go back and retest because I do remember she did have some like right hamstring tightness when she bent down mm -hmm. more so than the left. So we put her through McKenzie press ups. Um, at the end of that session, pain centralized, meaning she didn't have any tightness in her hamstring. Mm -hmm. So we sent her home with that. Mm -hmm. She came back. Um, the last, the, this past visit was more of just like a review of the um, McKenzie extensions and essentially going over her plan going forward, which really will be to build like a bulletproof plan 
um, so she can learn a how to work out in the gym and b how to prevent the issues from going forward. So next session, where do you want to start as far as um, I guess the rehab exercise, like more core based stuff, more hip based stuff, yeah. more gym based stuff? It's a great question. I think what I would what I had planned going forward for her were to be to start doing some core exercises, maybe, maybe go big three, breathing and bracing, but really starting to teach her how to hinge effectively. Okay. Because that Suwaki, she can start implementing it into her job. After her, her the last time you saw her, how was her pain compared to the first time? Better, worse, kind of the same? Uh, she said she gave me 80% better. Okay. That's what she told me. Got it. Okay. So Right now, it's just no hamstring pain. Really just a dull ache for her. She's confident in the exercise because they worked, yeah. but now she wants to keep progressing to the next step. And so if she does have still some dull hamstring pain, would you avoid the hip hinging starting that, or you think um, you can still progress to it? I still think we can progress with the hip hinging for her. Okay. Good. Okay. All right, uh, next patient. Ah, uh, patient, th um, patient three. She presented I to I want to let you know you started with A and now you're on three. Yeah, I like to mix <laughs> it up. We won't tell anybody. Keep them on their toes, right? <laughs> Um, patient C is coming in. She presented with us, I think like about a month ago, yes. uh, shoulder, ankle and hip pain. Just as a disclaimer, she was previously diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis, but she is being co-managed by her rheumatologist and podiatrist yes. and she is five months pregnant. Five months pregnant, diagnosed with some sort of inflammatory arthritis. And she works as a veterinarian. Veterinarian, which, which is which is awesome for me because I can talk to her about my dog problems all day. Yeah, and you seem to have quite a few of <laughs> Yeah, lately I don't know what's been going. It's a lot of bowel issues. But her biggest goal was two things. She really wanted to understand from an exercise perspective what could help her. And very important um, was she wanted to be able to carry a baby without pain in her hips or ankles, which is huge because she has a baby due in May. Right. So when she first started, um, she was having neck and shoulder. We started with some basic core progressions, which – why would you start with core if they have a neck problem? Um, a lot of times just giving somebody that strength, strength mm -hmm. and stability in their body, especially someone who used to be active that really hasn't been that active. A lot of times just giving them a little bit of movement or strength can help them feel a heck of a lot better. And that's what started her process to feeling better. And so now you've progressed through that. And so the next session you're, thinking now to go into what specifically yeah so we've really started working on with her just giving her different exercises that she can do to build her confidence such as glute bridges single leg um, progressions band squats bottoms up squats the next phase for her is i really want to start teaching her again how to hip hinge and progress to deadlifting before her baby comes so she can be effective in this movement right and so we talk about deadlifting and for people some people are like oh my god that's scary i don't need to deadlift but um, first for her job, she's a vet and you, there, you have to be able to move animals mm -hmm. and, and transport yourself. So teaching someone to hinge or deadlift, you can call it whatever you want. It's really just how to physically get through the, the day. And um, a lot of times with patients that I will tell them if I could only teach them one thing and that was it, I was had my hands tied behind my back, it would be that hinge or that deadlift progression. And then especially for her, as she has the baby and she'll be having to lean over crib and get Agreed. the baby in mm -hmm. and out of the car and that. And um, the other thing with this patient is, which is, is awesome that you went that stability and strength route. She is naturally pretty flexible. And the problem with being flexible and then becoming pregnant is your body starts to change. It has to 
add hormones mm-hmm. called, you know, one's called relaxin. And there's a lot of different hormones that happen through the birthing process so that the baby has room and your joints have to relax. So somebody that already is as flexible, they have hormones going through their body to make them more, more flexible. flexible. So many times with these type of patients, the best thing to do is to give them some sort of strength and stability. And it doesn't mean that they need to be able to bench press a thousand pounds. It could be something so basic as I think it's just some sort of stimulus of exercise. Just she'll respond to and she did, which is great for her. Good. All right. Patient patient D four. Yeah. Or four, whatever (laughs) we want to go with. Uh, she came to us about three weeks ago with right knee pain and she was previously diagnosed with chondromalacia patella, which is just a fancy term of meaning softening of the cartilage in your knee. So she had an MRI that, um, you know, was looked not great. No, you know, a lot of inflammation, young, active, three kids wants to be able to run and, um, basically looking for what the heck to do about it. Yeah. She split her goals into two short term was really to get back to working out effectively. I know she was not squatting for a while and really trying to get back to running. Her long-term was looking into the future, which really resonated with me for her, was she doesn't want a knee replacement. And we find that common with a lot of patients that might not be in very severe pain, but looking toward the future, what this could look like. Okay, and so we've had how many, about three or four sessions? This has been three visits with her. We are really, we've just tried to emphasize hip strength and foot control so she can back to working out effectively. The next phase of her treatment plan, which will be around visit six, will be really starting in like running specific exercises, a lot of single leg agility and balance drills for her. Okay, so specifically the next session, we'll where the progressions, where do you want to go with that? I We really started, we talked about it last week. We really want to start looking at her lifts and seeing how we can implement what we've already been doing from the hip strength and foot control and how they can start applying to her lifts. So I remember on her eval, we looked at like a kettlebell swing. We looked at a kettlebell swing, we looked at her deadlift, right. we looked at her lunging, we looked at a lot, what she can and can't do. We broke it up into like three parts, didn't we? And so we haven't done much kettlebell swing deadlift with her yet. No, that's okay. the on her plan, we got through the first three visits of yeah. the activation phase, right. and now we're moving into our stabilization slash integration. Right. So her. when we saw her, there was a lot of progressions that we wanted to do. The first one though was, um, at a basic level, she really had poor control of her hips and her glutes, yeah. which we think is contributing to her knee pain. And I always say at a bare minimum, it certainly isn't helping with the yeah. knee pain. So the first step was to do the basic, like you said, that activation phase of just trying to get things activated and get that brain body connection, as we call it. Um, and now we're starting to move into why that applies, right? So if it ends on the table, meaning that if we just do the activation and nothing else. Uh, we've done this person a disservice because when she goes to the gym, as active as she is, we want her strength-based stuff to be doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah, uh, and she mentioned to me this was an awesome goal for her. She achieved it. She was able to squat, um, very low level, lightweight kettlebell without any pain. That's last awesome, week, which is great for her. Right, and so for us, not to go too far down the rabbit hole, but there's two basic types of lower body exercises for the audience. There's knee dominant and hip dominant. So hip dominant would be like a deadlift or a hip hinge. And that basically means that you're using your hips to do the lift. The knee dominant is more like a squat um, or a lunge, which puts more pressure on the knee. Now, when she came in, I remember her hip dominant exercises caused pain in her knee. 
which tells us that it's a red flag to say she's doing them incorrectly. Because if your hip exercises are causing knee pain, you're mm-hmm. most likely doing them wrong. And so it sounds like that's where we are in the process. And essentially, like you always say, it's very black and white. Like done effectively, her hip exercises it really should help her knee out. Yep. What is this patient? Five. Five. We'll go with five. A, B, I can't C, remember the letters. E, E5. <laughs> um, this patient, uh, very interesting one for me personally. He, he's a guy coming in with chronic low back pain and shoulder pain. He had surgery um, 2008. can't remember On the year. his back. On his back. Mm-hmm. An L5-S1 disectomy mm-hmm. in 2008. His concern really was the pain would still be intermittent, but what his life is going to look like as if his low back doesn't improve. So he had periods of relief for a few years. He did some CrossFit, did some workouts, and re-injured it. And now it kind of just comes and goes. Now his... The second when he re-injured it at this point, did he have another surgery? No, but he had injections. Injections. He had three injections, and he said they felt good afterwards. So he had three injections. They helped. And if you saw this guy, he looks. He's, he's, he's in really good shape. Really good shape. Yeah. You see his, he just hiked in California. Really? Up in elevation, no pain, which was I would get. To, I was going to get to that, but since That's you brought awesome. it up, he's been in great shape. Hiked up in near Muir National Park out of San Francisco. So I was like, that's phenomenal. That, I mean, that's amazing because um, you look at someone that has had most chronic pain like that, and at the end of the day, um, whether you we talk about it, you know, it's one of the my big things right now is the three freedoms in life are freedom of money, freedom mm-hmm. of time, and freedom of health. Yeah. And so if you have the time off from work or maybe retired, um, if you have the money that you can travel, but you don't feel good enough to do it, yeah, there's a problem. Yeah. And so that's where we contribute to these people to help them reach that, which um, has been a big realization for me over the last few weeks. And every time you tell a story like that to me, my ears perk up because at the end of the day, really, that is what our impact is. With yeah, people. I fully agree with that. I, I could just see how happy he was. I was like, how did the hike go? And he's like, it was amazing. And no pain. It was great. And I did two of them. I was like, that's phenomenal. Yeah, that's he, really cool. What we've really, I've taken a different route with him. Essentially, with this patient, I'm really just trying to give him exercises that gives him confidence. So when he does work out, he doesn't he doesn't hurt himself. Like essentially, he wants to know just what he can and can't do. And so the thing there is as much physical, which you're alluding to, I think, is as much physical as it is mental. mental. Which I understand that a hundred percent because of my history with my lower back. Yep. That there's many times that bringing the awareness to people around it's not necessarily that everything really hurts it's that they're afraid it's going to hurt right it's an anticipation of this is going to hurt so i'm not going to do it so if we can move past that and i know it's a process and i understand but if we can move past that then really he's opening up a whole new doors for himself and i think there's um the the word that i think about too is control Mm -hmm. in that Part of the reason why we often spend a lot of time with people and not just laying them on the table and adjusting them is because we we need to them to know what the heck we need them we need to give empower them to understand what the heck's going on. They spend more time outside of this treatment room than in this treatment room. So they need to understand how they can empower themselves and really help themselves. To your point before, the exercise is very black and white because it's not to say it's it's Hard to say to somebody, if you don't know what they're doing, yeah, yeah, just go exercise. Because in theory and in practice, you can do things that are really going to screw you up. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for me at this point, like 
I don't think that putting 315 pounds on my back in a back squat will be a good move, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't exercise and move. Right. So it's important that we educate people on, hey, yes, exercise is good, but not all exercise is good for every person. And, and I think that's what it sounds like you're going through. And the other point to this too, is when people start having success in our office who have been in this situation, you almost have to play the opposite card of like, I know you feel great and that's amazing. This proves that you can feel great, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean you're never going to have any pain right. again. And so we don't want to create that false expectation because our mindset for people is not that we're ending pain. It's that we're trying to increase the periods that they feel good and give them the tools that when it doesn't feel so good, they know what to do. They know what to do. Yeah. And they, that's the, the biggest impact that we have on patients is every time they finish a plan of care, they know, like, we have a plan. We've created the awareness for ourselves, but now we have a plan. So if, if it does come back, they're not as afraid because they know what to do. Right. Okay. So now we're moving on to patient E. E. I'm keeping track. Patient E. Thank you because I'm losing the letter <laughs> count. Uh, patient E came in. Low back, right hip, and neck pain. But his chief complaint was chief complaint. What? How, what made him come in? Chief complaint was one of his coworkers said, hey, stand up straight. And he's like, I am. Yeah. But and this, he's not an old guy. He's 40, no, I think. He's young kid. Young guy, very, very rounded in his mid-back, causing his neck to protrude forward. And he's a very avid golfer. So from a movement perspective... He just chews up his low back and his swing because he's not getting any mid-back rotation. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I know you've been learning how to golf recently. so Yeah. So this guy has – what's interesting about him, first of all, I think how he came to us of like the partner saying stand up straight and he thought yep. he was. Um, that's that's huge. And it's something that I, I really think – You're scared about. Yeah, scared about it and that we can help with because one of the things with that is – it's not so easy. You can't just tell someone, okay, stand up straight. Right. Because when you're that tight and have stiffness in the neck and the back, it takes so much energy. People don't appreciate like to just correct your – when you're 13, you can just correct your posture. When you're, when you're 40, it's a little the amount harder. of energy that it takes to sit up straight, it's exhausting. So because thing, the muscles are tighter, the joints are locked a little bit. So it, it takes so much energy. Oh, maybe I just need to sit up straight. Well, sure. But after about eight minutes of that, it's tiring. It's exhausting. Yeah. And so what we have to do is almost do some hands-on work and mobility drills that give him almost the room so that he can do it. Yep. Because like this guy, he is an accountant, I think. And he sits a lot. So sits, he travels a lot. He was telling me, He's in his car. It sounds like he's in his car more than he's in the building. Right. Yeah. And he's going to clients and doing all of that. And so um, we have to first almost like it's almost like opening up a window for him that he can move through it. And then the goal is to keep that window open um, as long as we can, mm -hmm. because, yes, posture is a habit, but there is a physical component. Now, to your point of of the golf side of it. It's interesting because one of my big mottos is that you cannot bring a uh, technique fix to a movement problem. Mm -hmm. And so one of his complaints was when he works with golf instructors, they tell him to do certain things and, and make corrections and he, he can't physically he like do it. He fights through it and then he ends up yeah. doing it wrong. And so what's his thing is called early extension. And so he goes through his golf swing and because his spine doesn't move as much as it needs to, he has to compensate by basically lifting out of his swing and he takes what's he, what they call big toe divots, basically what it's caused by early extension. 
And so the issue was they wanted him to get into certain postures that his, his body physically couldn't do. And it made him so frustrated he stopped taking lessons. And so the best shot that he has is to do the things with us and a trainer to mm -hmm. gain that range of motion and then go back to the to the swing coach and try and uh, fix the problems that he's having. If you were a baseball player and it hurt to get your arm up, mm -hmm. you can't throw. And that's a really basic example, but that's the truth. Like it doesn't matter what technique or how good the instructor is um, if he wants you to do something that you physically cannot do. And so treatment wise, where have you where have you gone with him? Treatment wise, we we started with just uh, neck retractions, really trying to emphasize. So, so like he, military neck, military neck, yeah, pa neck packing. We've done we've done like factor protocol. So as he retracts his neck, we take like instrument and go along his, the base of his neck, his traps, really trying to get a lot of blood flow to that area. Tell me, talk about what do you mean by an instrument? So we use like a funky little tool, like a yeah. Graston tool. For yeah. those of you know, most people know Graston. Looks worse than it is. Looks worse than it is. Essentially, as he's doing the movement, we're going along the base of his skin, trying to increase some uh, motion and decrease the tension in his tissues. So for the audience at home, think about... Like a he's, butter knife. He's putting, exactly. He's putting his head into a position right now that's really tight and stiff in like a military neck position, correcting perfect posture. And instead of him basically going into this brick wall every single time, what we're trying to do is why he's, while he's going to that stretch position... We're trying to loosen the muscles up at the same time. So we take this instrument that it, think of like the, the handle of a butter knife mm -hmm. that we use lotion to rub onto the skin, which creates blood flow around the area or creates oxygen to the cells, creates healing effect and basically desensitizes the area. So he can push through a motion that he probably can't do on his own. And then over time that, like we said, it opens up a window of more motion to allow him into these positions. Yep. And we put him in. We've done it seated. We put him in quadruped, meaning he's on like in a crawling position, having him move his neck up and down. And we've worked on like mid-back extension exercises as well. Okay. And where do you want to go with him next week? Next week, I started him off with, um, we have like a funny little baby pose we did where he's on his um, forearms. Which month? Three month. So we did three month yeah. prone with him. We started that. I want to keep progressing with that one because he's starting to understand how to move his neck and mid-back as one. Do you think exploring like that i know you're doing t-spine extension with him mm -hmm. you think lateral flexion at all lateral flexion we did introduce that visit two for him i want to go back to that as well but i wanted to really work on that upper t-spine that we call the dead zone right. so we can start working through that a little bit better the other thing that i've been doing with a lot of the senior golfers is that kind of like what we did with you the it's the i don't even know what the, they call it we call it supine like Reaching? Bench press, reaching yeah. to get that rib crunch to yeah. get to start to. Now we're getting mobility back in his thoracic and his ribs to try and get him to start being able to activate that rib rotation yeah. position. You I think that would be. I 100% think that's where we can go with him next week too as well. Okay, cool. All right. F. Next, uh, A, B, C, D, E, e F. F, right? F. All right, patient F. Patient F came to us about a month ago thanks to Hannah being at BNI. So he is a BNI guy, and he came to us with right hip pain, right hip pain and low back pain. Right and left hip pain. Yep. Previously diagnosed with labrum of the right hip, on right? An, per MRI, on an MRI. MRI. Yep. So he also complained of hamstring tightness, which we found that was coming from his back. Now, this guy's biggest goal is really to play 80 rounds of golf a year. He's a very a stressful job. 
and golf is his relaxation, and that's a lot of golf. Especially in the Northeast because there's basically th three to four months a year that you can't play. So he's getting that many <laughs> rounds in in, set in eight months yeah, a year. That's nuts. Um, and I remember his first – his story when he came in was the last time he played, he shot his best round ever yep. on the front nine – but by the time he finished nine holes, the pain was so bad he couldn't continue. Yep. So we've seen um, this patient for about four visits now. And I'm happy to say right before Thanksgiving, he played two rounds of golf. And he shot, he shot his best rounds ever. And he didn't have to take an Advil until about the 17th hole, which is not normal for him. He usually has to take it before he plays. That's amazing. Good. And so his biggest thing coming in was, again, someone that um, kind of this – pain dysfunction pain mm -hmm. cycle of it. we we say chicken or the egg right so did his pain lead to the dysfunction or dysfunction lead to the pain so he had lack of range of motion but he also had hips that just the muscles were not doing their job mm -hmm. they're just not that they were weak they just they weren't activated and again what is that caused from it's like you know the way i describe it to to the patients and to the audience is when your body is in pain it goes into survival mode and a lot of times with survival mode your brain basically shuts down that area so think about if your knee or your hip hurt your brain basically takes that area and walls it off and just doesn't want to deal with it anymore and because of that it saves energy the problem with that is it saves energy but it causes you to not utilize those muscles and so when someone comes to us our job a lot of times is to break that pain dysfunction pain cycle where you see if someone has a they think someone has a tear in their hip how can we help them because mm -hmm. that should be surgically repaired um, but what we find many times with people is there's so many dysfunctions surrounding that whether it is a muscle weakness, whether it is a range of motion problem. And so the, our, our first step is to try and regain some of that activation, some of that range of motion. And then we basically do that and see what happens. And luckily for us, many, many, many times that works. It works. So we started off to address the hamstring issue first. We ran through McKenzie progressions. Um, that pain went away after two visits, which is good for him. So now we've really honed in on just working on hip stability, but really trying to cater it specifically towards golf because I know that's his biggest goal. Mm -hmm. So everything that we've done in here, every sort of exercise that we have tried to initiate it through, like explain to him through his golf swing. So where do you think the next exercise, what's the next thing you want to introduce? Uh, we talked about it last week. We really want to start introducing like single leg progressions for him so we can start building on like rotation through the hip and single leg deadlift for him. So single leg um, so we started off single leg deadlifts to really build that unilateral glute strength uh -huh. and then start adding like rotations in so he can get that component through his swing. Have we done any like single leg glute bridging? We have done single leg glute bridging. Now we're trying to make it a little bit more dynamic. So stuff we've done for him are like banded hip isometrics, um, single leg bridges, cable pull throughs to emphasize that posterior tilt through his swing. Mm -hmm. um, we did RNT lunges. So for those RNT, basically you just put the person into their dysfunction. So for him, whenever he would squat, his knee would go in. So now he has to fight, essentially fight out of that. Okay. And so you want to move more into single leg? Single leg progressions for him now. Got it. Okay, cool. So now we're at G. Mm -hmm. All right. There we go. G. So G came to us from a referral from a trainer you know, correct? Yes. Okay. So G came to us about two weeks ago. Really, not in a lot of pain, but just 
A lot of stiffness, low back stiffness, left hip and right shoulder. Left hip, right shoulder. So left hip external rotation yep. and right shoulder internal rotation. Yep. Had. And with that, um, a few things. What does is, what is he talk about? my chronic my the way my body feels and looks is the chronologic is basically older than my, my chronological. chronological age which has really resonated with me i've never heard someone say that but once he said that it really kind of hit home right so he's a he's um i think he's in his 60s he's in his 60s very and, it works out three days a week and he's he is currently or going to leave next week for like a international hike with his yeah, whole family awesome he's going to patagonia yeah that's really pretty lucky. sweet um yeah really cool but again, here's a guy who obviously has the time. He's bringing his family on this trip, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Um, he wants to enjoy it. it well, he needs to, like the, the the part of this that we didn't mention. He came to us with some pain, quote unquote. But he's just finishing up um, a anti-inflammatory med for mm-hmm. a Baker cyst in his left That's knee. Right. So uh, a lot of times people are confused to think that a Baker cyst just randomly occurs. Essentially, it's a pocket of fluid in the back of your knee now the baker cyst by itself is really not a big deal um you like he can let it go or you can take uh, you can take an anti-inflammatory and it will go away however for us our ears immediately perk up and say why the heck did this happen Mm -hmm. right so why would that baker cyst occur it's basically a function of too much wear and tear in an area and your body's response is to try and create more room or more fluid in that area so no one hit him in the leg and he immediately got a baker cyst it was basically uneven wear and tear of which our job is to peel back the layers to try and figure that out and so I'm happy he came to us because, again, going just to the doctor and getting the anti-inflammatory, I'm not against it. He may have needed it, but without actually peeling back the layers, eventually it's going to cause something else. There's got to be something going on either in that knee, in that hip, in his core, in the other leg that is putting more pressure on that knee. And again, what the other thing that people always tell us is like, Oh, maybe I'm just getting old. That's why I got a bigger cyst. And what I always say to them is, okay, so your right knee is the same age as your left knee. So why did your left knee get the bigger cyst? And that always kind of makes them chuckle, but it's true. It can't just be a factor of age. No, we always address, like, we try to address the root cause of every issue and what's going on. So why did that bigger cyst come? Like you mentioned, it could be wear and tear over time. Yep. So we've really, so he is starting his um, plan of care next week. So in the eval, we really just tried to put a plan in place for him and really figure out what's going on. So what we came to conclusion is for him, he's he's very tight in his shoulder and hip. And now we can stretch him all day, but it really wouldn't fix the issue for him. Right. So we, we commonly find that the tighter you are, it's more of a stability issue. So we're really going to emphasize on hip and shoulder stability for him. I saw a post on Facebook from a, one of the guys that I follow and he the article was basically titled like make gym taller or something and he showed the progression of when you do the right work with somebody you can make some because here's a guy who's you know kind of hunched over Mm -hmm. a little bit and super tight which we have another one that we talked about before but in theory and in practicality we literally can make someone taller because we get them out of that hunch position and it might be like four you know, three, four, not maybe not three, four inches, but like 
legitimately like an inch or two. Yeah. Um, you know, there is, we all shrink as we get older just because we lose height in our discs and some th- factors. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I look at my dad who's, you know, going to be 70, I don't know, one, two, whatever, in really good shape. But I can see when he sits in the car, like he kind of starts to get in this that hunch position, position now. Head forward. Yeah. And I talk to him like, hey, sit up. And he still can. But he's, you know, he's starting to shrink. Right. And so now he's working out and starting to do things. And I think it will help him. But again, you start to look at people as they get older and see like, crap, this is what this looks like by the time I'm 70, 80, 90 years old. That's why people start to shrink. And the fact that you have a relationship with this trainer, it's, it opens up a whole new line of communication well, what we can do in here, we can start implementing into his workout. So we can start doing his rehab, like we call it, in the gym. It's for us that is, and we recognize it when we don't have that ability to communicate with the trainer, how valuable yep. it is because that's really the gold standard for us. And the reason for that is we can do what we need to do in the office and then take that and parlay it into what they're doing in their training. And at some point, there should be no difference between what we do here and what they do in the gym. So as a basic example for everyone to recognize, for us, basic posture training will translate directly into someone doing a deadlift. Agreed. 100% of the time. To draw that connection for somebody is usually the thing that we have to do. But if we improve someone's posture in here, they ask us like, well, what exercises should I do? The real answer is, well, when you do your deadlifts at the gym, you should do everything we did today because um, that really a neutral spine during deadlifting is really just perfect posture. And so that's where we start to see the correlation. And I think a lot of patients that see value in what we do many times, it's because of that. We can draw those conclusions. We're not we're not doing magic with people. We're just connecting the dots. Once you connect the dots, then you see their, their eyes light up like, oh, they get it. And then it's like, it's a great thing to see. That's all right. All. That is all. Good job. Thanks. This is fun. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I think, uh, did you learn something? Mm-hmm. What'd you learn? I'm talking to Hannah right now. I'm putting her on the spot. I'll translate. Just one you. thing you learned. Um, I learned that. Come closer. Oh. <laughs> She's coming closer. She doesn't want to be on video. I'm going to edit. That's okay. Come on. Come on. Let's see. Come over here. I need you by the microphone. Hey, do you want mine? I'm wearing my... No one's going to look at you, Hannah. They're looking at me. Tell me what you learned. So this isn't to put Hannah on the spot. It's actually interesting to me because um, we always say a lot of what we do, it makes sense to us, but we do this for a living. And Hannah understands what we do but she is not in the treatment room so i always like to see what her takeaways or someone else's takeaways are from what we said so i'm trying to remember what it was something that you said with one of the first patients it was like a big word and then you said for those of you who don't know that means they can't touch their toes i've never heard that before Flexion Flexion Yes. yes that was the one thing definitely that you said that i looked up and i was like oh Wow, that's all that means. Like it sounds a lot more, you know, for sure. Um, And so the thing with that being flexion and tolerant, if you can't touch your toes, something similar to that is not being able to sit mm -hmm. because sitting is a flex posture. Mm -hmm. So that's why a lot of people with back pain um, feel better standing. And that's why for that patient you're talking about, he's flying to like where? Taiwan. Taiwan, long flight. So if he's flexion intolerant, sitting is a flex position. It's concerning. What do we get to? Like patient G? G. G. 
I think A through G. How many letters is that? Six? A, seven? B, C, D, E, F, G. Seven? All right. That was a good guess. Five of them I think I could identify. Who they are based on what we're Probably. saying? Probably. Is that good or bad? I don't know. Just, right. just a, another note. Okay. Well, you, yeah. definitely, you definitely know one of them. He's being I. Well, yeah, I know. So that's cool. it. All right. Flexion intolerant. That's Hannah's that takeaway. Cool. Very good. Takeaway. All right, guys. So we appreciate you hearing and listening to us we love feedback and the reason why we did this was because we got such good feedback the first time we hope this is valuable to you um, if you haven't already please leave us a honest review on itunes um, but your honest review yeah your honest review should be five stars um dr ashton thank you this was great this was fun um it. and dr ashton is getting way more comfortable on the microphone Am I? Oh, I didn't notice. The first. I almost threw the scum wrapper at him. Really? Because you were getting a little far. Far oh. from his I microphone. Was ready. I've been holding it the entire time. What is this? My third? Maybe third? By the fourth. This is maybe third. By the fourth one. I'll know not to move the mic too far from me. Yeah, because I think your your first one you got off and like, oh, I thought I did a good job about the NFL Combine, and I think this time was was significantly better, and hopefully I. So my progression. So I'll tell you my progression. Wait, we can edit this out if we don't need to. <laughs> If we don't want this in there, when we start, we started to translate our Facebook videos. And when you actually have to read the words that you say, it's maddening. And so what's the, is it gonna? Cause. Cause and gonna. <laughs> it's the word, when you watch yourself say, I'm gonna or cause this and it's written out. Oh my God, it's drives me nuts. So I've tried to say I'm going to and be cause in this podcast. So I hope my, my mom would be proud as a speech therapist. Good grammar. So hi mom. All right, we're done. This is too long. Right. See ya. Thanks guys. Thank you for tuning in to the stay healthy, New Jersey podcast brought to you by strive to move. If your pain or injury is preventing you from living the healthy and active lifestyle you love and deserve, and want to get back to doing what you love pain-free, we offer both a free ebook and free over-the-phone consultation to help you figure out the root cause of your pain and the best next steps to help resolve it. Find our ebooks online at strivetomove.com slash our services. There you'll find an ebook for topics on such things as back pain, knee pain, sports injuries, and CrossFit injuries. These ebooks will provide you with free expert advice, tips, and exercises to help solve your pain from the comfort of your own home. Just visit strivetomove.com slash our services to download your ebook and have it delivered directly to your inbox. We also offer free, no obligation phone consults with a doctor on staff to New Jersey residents. Just call us at 908-547-0729 or visit us at strivetomove.com and click the talk to the doctor first button on the homepage to schedule a call with us. Thanks again for joining us and we will see you next time on the stay healthy, New Jersey podcast.